but God's moving in other pieces of family that right. we normally wouldn't associate with. So it's sure. been really cool to connect with like Jesuits, you know, yeah. like there's some amazing activists in other parts of the church that mm-hmm. it's been really cool to get to know. Uh, so expanding that faith family has allowed me to experience different uh, aspects of, of God. You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters, and starters from across Canada. Hello, my name is Jared. My name is Elle. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Today, we have an episode from one of our new contributors, a new leafer, Jason Tripp, up there in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, and he is interviewing a guy named Jared Brock. So tell us about this interview, Al. Uh, in this episode, Jason and Jared so uh, talk, and it's great. Jared wrote a book not called me. Not, not You, Jared, me. a different Jared Brock. Yeah, there are yeah. other Jareds. Believe it or not. Not many, but there are other Jareds. Believe it or not. Also, there's another Jared Siebert in Canada. Did you know that? I did not know He's that. a young lad. I feel bad because I stole all of the good Twitter accounts and, and Gmail. So Jared Siebert, if you're listening to this, uh, really sorry about that. I feel really bad. Um, you have to be like Jared Siebert, followed by a date. Anyway, that's not what the point of this episode is. No, nope, but I'm just not used to other people named Jared. That was so, a, ni- a nice aside. Thank you. I'll stop freaking out. Go yeah, ahead. All right. Go ahead, Al. In this episode, Jason and Jared <laughs> Brock, the author of A Year of Living Prayerfully, uh, they talk. This is a really interesting book and a really interesting story, to be honest. I had heard of this book. I haven't read it. Um, but essentially, he and his wife go on this 37,000-mile prayer pilgrimage. Wow. Um, and Jared explains it throughout the book uh, quite, quite well. And some of the things that they encountered when they went through the rich Christian history, all the different Christian traditions and how they how they approach prayer and what he learned from that. Uh, oftentimes in our in our context, or at least in mine, my view of prayer is not very holistic, if you will, in terms of in incorporating other Christian traditions. You know, I learned about Taze prayers a few years ago. Like I'm kind of late to the game on some of these things. And and there's a real richness and a depth to prayer. Um, and Jared really uncovers a lot of this. You might know Jared from maybe not the book because I had actually not even heard of his book. I had first had heard of his documentaries. He and his wife had produced a number of really moving documentaries, one called Red Light, Green Light about human trafficking mm. and um, Over 18 that I just heard about recently about pornography. Apparently Apparently, uh, making quite an impact. Um, so, a really great episode. Uh, take a listen if you get the opportunity to read the book. I know I've put it on my list. So, uh, this is thanks to Jason for a really interesting interview. So, this is Jason Tripp and Jared Brock chatting about a year of living prayerfully. Give it a listen. I'm your host once again, Jason Tripp, and uh, really happy to be joined by a new friend of mine, uh, Jared Brock. Jared is the author of A Year of Living Prayerfully, and he's also the co-founder of Hope for the Sold, an abolitionist charity that fights human trafficking one word at a time. Jared is happily married to his best friend, Michelle, with whom he is the co-director and co-producer of Red Light, Green Light. Together, they have traveled to over 30 countries and have spoken in over 100 cities around North America. 
He's been on Today.com, 100 Huntley Street, The 700 Club, and Jared's writing has appeared in Huffington Post, Converge, Writer's Digest, Esquire, and my personal favorite, Relevant Magazine. So it's great uh, great to be here with you, Jared. Thanks for uh, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for having me, brother. Um, I want to talk about a few things today, but before we get into some of the specifics, maybe you can just uh, tell us a little bit about your own personal faith journey, your upbringing, um, how God has been a part of your life to this point. Well, I grew up in the church, and uh, my dad's a pastor, started as a youth pastor, and I said the fire insurance prayer when I was four, six, um, eight, ten, twelve. Um, you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> Extra I, fire insurance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Born again and again and again. Yeah. But eventually, I, uh, when I was 17 years old, I actually heard James McDonald speak at a church in Burlington. And for some reason, it just clicked. I had understood the Jesus as Savior part, mm-hmm. but the Jesus as Lord part was when I was 17, baptized shortly thereafter. And then started volunteering in my youth group, and then I got hired by a church, and I was a youth pastor for a couple of years, and then we started making documentaries and writing books. Awesome. So, yeah, I love the fact you mentioned the disconnect between seeing Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord, and sometimes uh, that's a bit of a journey, connecting those dots. Mm So, you know, I I think it was Bruxy Cave who said, you know, when we say Jesus is Lord, we're giving Jesus the right to tell us how to live. Mm -hmm. And so that's been part of your life and your journey. Now you've you've written this book, uh, Year of Living Prayerfully, which sort of... uh, outlines and takes us on the journey you took around the world, um, expanding your view of prayer. But what was sort of the reason for that book? Just tell us maybe about the genesis of that book before we get into the content of the book. Yeah, it started in the red light districts of Amsterdam. We were shooting our documentary, Red Light, Green Light, and uh, our first night we walked down to the district and we heard chanting from about a kilometer out, and half a mile out, and it was about 300 drunk guys outside this one bar. And they all fly in from all over Europe for the mm-hmm. soccer games. Yep. And uh, my wife went into a number of the red light windows with a friend of hers. who's a caseworker there working with the girls. And the girls are sick and tired and scared. And one of them looked out at the mob and she whispered the word dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys will take out their aggression on the girls if they lose. And they'll celebrate with the girls if they win. And um, so I was kind of standing in the middle of this. And all of a sudden I heard church bells ringing. The mm-hmm. oldest building in Amsterdam is a church in the middle of the district. And... Um, I was just really overwhelmed because men are just abusing women to the soundtrack of church bells. And I said, God, I need your power and prayer to end this. And next thing you know, I'm on a 32,000-mile pilgrimage around the world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 32,000 miles. So we're going to talk about 32,000-mile pilgrimage in the next 30 minutes. So <laughs> this will be a challenge. But why don't you just walk us through um, some of the places you visited, some of the people you encountered on this sort of pilgrimage around the world. And... Uh, Maybe just a couple of the highlights, a couple of stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many you can, so much you can draw from, and and all of these are outlined in your book. But just some of the highlights, and uh, then we'll get into the specific you know forms of prayer that you engaged along the journey. Cool. So where'd you go? Yeah. Well, so I wanted to explore the Judeo-Christian faith family, yep. including the weird uncles and crazy cousins. So it wasn't just yep. our little you know sure. piece of it. And uh, so, so, so are you implying there's no weird cousins in our little piece of it too? Or? Oh no, that's assumed. <laughs> okay, there <laughs> we go. That's there just assumed. Just for the record, yeah. yeah. I went to Westboro Baptist Church. They call themselves Baptists, so <laughs> it's closer to home than we realize. Every other Baptist cringes. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So <laughs> the true faith. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for the Catholic chapter, I went to Monte Cassino and Avila and Camino de Santiago and um, Assisi, and uh, I went to Rome toured St. Peter's, uh, was granted an audience with Pope Francis and got to have lunch at the Vatican, which was kind of awesome. 
And uh, so then I did an Orthodox chapter, went to Mount Athos, um, did a crazy chapter where I went to North Korea, walked across a bed of hot coals, other things that I don't recommend people doing, and um, and then finished up with ecumenical and Protestantism. So it kind of each chapter was a different kind of part of the faith family and just tried to learn some traditions along the way from Hasidic rabbis mm-hmm. and Orthodox monks and Catholic priests and uh, Protestant pastors, ministers, and yeah, it was it was eye opening experience to. Exp- I, I guess I'd been kind of eating one dish, but I got to see like the prayer buffet. Right, that, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. So it's much bigger, yeah. more appetizing. Although you said you had some, you know, some stories from Mount Athos. Yes, I mean, some of them were unsavory, but the right. rest were pretty good. Well, when when you know, tell us about Mount Athos because that's like kind of a no female zone, right? Historically, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, no. Tell us a little bit about that experience. <laughs> Mount Athos. There hasn't been a woman there in in over a millennia. Um, including no female animals. There is actually one exception, and that's they allow uh, female cats because they have a rat problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the whole island or peninsula is dedicated to Mary, and so there's about 20 monasteries there, and it's been a place of perpetual prayer for over a thousand years. Wow! And uh, it's, it's been it's pretty powerful. But yeah, there are some weird traditions there, but there are also some really profound, beautiful ones too. Yeah. Now, as you're as you're writing about your journey, you're not just sharing about the people and the places you go, but obviously the types of prayers that you experience and engage with. So maybe can you just walk us through? I mean, and your big thing is you know sort of seven different sort of prayer traditions or prayer forms that you've engaged. So can you just walk us through what those seven ways of praying that you experienced and how just personally they affected mm-hmm. your life and your prayer life? Um, the my my favorite one word I call it the most powerful one word prayer in the world mm. is uh, the word shalom. I got to uh, celebrate a Passover seder supper with Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn. Talk about just a whole other world. Just it's so different from the culture I'm used to, but it was really profound in realizing that Jesus was a rabbi, right? Mm. And uh, he was profoundly Jewish, and yet came to redeem us from the law and bring us to a place of mm-hmm. grace, which is mm-hmm. super cool. But yeah, the word shalom is this, it means like peace and blessing. And so I use it as a hello and as a goodbye. And I sign a lot of my emails with shalom, but I especially pray it over the news because this world is a mess. Yeah. And I pray it, uh, especially over myself when I'm like anxious or stressed or whatever, because sure. I want to be anxious for nothing. And for some reason, shalom just does it for me. I'm like, God's got this. He's sovereign. He'll take care of business. Yeah, and that, that's the one word that kind of encompasses everything that God is doing in the exactly. world. Exactly. I mean, yeah, so that, that word certainly applies to you know, some of the dark situations, whether it's in the Amsterdam Red Light District or just when anxiety wells up within us. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good one-word prayer. And, yeah. you know, and oftentimes we think prayer has a script or a formula, but sometimes prayer is just simply one word, crying mm-hmm. out to God. Like when, you, when your heart is broken for something, just saying shalom. Mm-hmm. And God some, sometimes it's not even any words yeah. at all. Right. So one of, the, one of the places I went was uh, the oldest church building in North America, Quaker Meeting House. Yep. And, uh, Where was that building? That was in, in, in Maine, Maine, somewhere in New okay. England, yeah. yeah. It's also tiny, but it is very beautiful, and um, it's over 300 years old. And they have this tradition called holding in the light, where if you've been praying for someone for a long time yep. and you've just run out of words to pray, mm-hmm. they picture holding that person in the light of God's grace. And they say, God, help me to see them as you see them, help me to love them as you love them, do the work that only you can do. Yep. And they just hold them in the light day after day. So sometimes prayer isn't even words, it's just... Um, 
letting it soak. Yeah, you got something on your wrist here. What, what, what's yeah. that? You got a, a black, black bracelet here. Yeah, I got this bracelet on Mount Athos. It's called uh, Comboschini, and it's basically a prayer bracelet. There's nothing magical or spiritual or special right. about it. It's just a prayer tool. And what the monks on Athos do is they put their finger on the first knot and they pray the Jesus prayer. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they just kind of work their way around the knots. And the idea is that every breath will become a prayer to God and they'll begin to pray without ceasing. So it's a really, really cool idea. I've expanded it significantly to, for me, it represents the concept of attaching the physical to the spiritual. Mm. So I often tell people, like, when you take a shower, say, God, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When you put on your clothes, put on the armor of God. Um, And you can breathe as you pray. You know, when you're driving, pray about your spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Um, finding ways to attach physicality to spirituality is another. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm reminded I lived in South Korea for a couple oh, nice. years, and uh, you know, I want you to talk about a church that we both attended <laughs> there shortly. But it, just uh, you're reminding me of something I did there. Like when I was in this small little apartment, where my basically my shower was like two feet away from my stove yes. and, and everything. Um, I, I remember putting like little scripture verses in different places that would remind me of those those things I would be doing. Um, so you know, when I'm washing my hands or doing dishes, I'm, I'm reciting a, a scripture that's related to it. Like cleanse me from all unrighteousness, mm. et cetera. Um, I know some of the prayer traditions you engaged were like uh, practicing the presence of God, mm-hmm. which would be being mindful of God in the mm-hmm. sort of the mundane activities of life. Can you speak to us uh, a little more about uh, your experiences with you know, Brother Lawrence and that tradition a little bit? Yeah. Uh, uh, Frère, de Lo- Frère de Laurent. Is there you go. The, the reason why... So, so uh, the book, The Practice of the Presence of God, 20 million copies in English alone, influenced people like John Wesley and Spurgeon and all these greats of the faith. Um, but Brother Lawrence kind of just disappeared. And so through many months of research, I found out where he lived and served and washed dishes and practiced the presence of God. And it helped when I started searching in French. That was the big kind yeah, of door there opener. There you go. Yeah, he actually was in a monastery that was funded by Catherine de Medici of the Medici banking dynasty. And it was on the, it's right near the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris. Mm-hmm. So I got to practice the presence of God where Brother Lawrence was. But yeah, he was... Um, just it was a profoundly new way to pray 300 years ago just like oh wow you don't have to be in a building right. you don't have to be in a service mm-hmm. you can just walk with god that sure. was that was a new concept at the time yeah and it it shouldn't be a new concept but it seems so radical and strange mm-hmm. it, for those of us maybe listening you know, we grew up in in the church and our our sort of our prayer tradition is very rigid or it's boxed in. And the, the beauty of your book for me was like uh, during a season the last few years where I've been really on a pilgrimage, not around the world, but just um, exploring the richness of church tradition and history, mm-hmm. um, the early church fathers, the medieval ages, some of the Catholic mystics, et cetera. Uh, and I was, I was told those were off limits or out right. of bounds at one point yeah. in my life. And I'm realizing well, it doesn't matter who you're reading. They're going to say some things that you won't agree with. Sure. There's some things I said five years ago I don't agree yeah, with. Yeah. But there's a lot of richness there. God has used men and women throughout the faith. And, you know, the faith that's been passed down to us, you know, I think we owe it to ourselves to explore that, to honor that, mm-hmm. and to sort of redeem and use some of those. So, okay, so we've got shalom. We've got holding in the light. We, we've talked a little bit about you know, practicing the presence of God. Um you went to visit the Westboro Baptist Church, didn't you? I did indeed, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. How, to, to tell me about that experience, because you, know, you shared this at our church recently, yeah. and it was pretty powerful testimony from your experiences, mm-hmm. not only there, but in the wake of that. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, Topeka, Kansas, there's this church. It's not a church. It's a cult. Like, right. let's, let's be really honest about it. And it's started by a very abusive man who's now passed away named Fred, Fred. Phelps and his family. Uh, I got to spend... 
a couple hours in the founder's daughter's kitchen with her and her husband, who's an elder in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I was asking them all about their prayer traditions and all sorts of stuff. And and it's a very heartbreaking situation, right? They they told me that they prayerfully consider what they write on all their signs. Signs like, gays die, God laughs, and pray for more dead soldiers, and things like that. And uh, it made me furious that there was a group of people who call themselves Christians and treat the world so poorly. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really mad when I left. And I got in the car, and I'm, we're driving away, and I'm just seething, and my wife's like... You're going to have to deal with this. You know this, right? And I remember this quote by a Catholic missionary worker named Dorothy Day. And she said, I love God as much as the person I love the least. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I felt really convicted by that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to work on this until I see Westboro the way God sees them. Mm -hmm. So I did. And uh, now I, I, God is going to change their lives and change their family. They could be a real church someday, not a cult. Because when they experience grace, they're so influential they get how to market. Yeah. Imagine doing that for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I lived in South Korea for a couple mm-hmm. of years, and part of your journey took you to the, the peninsula of Korea. You spent some time in both South Korea and North Korea. And so, talk to me maybe first about South Korea, your experience there. I was blown away by some of the, the massive churches there. The biggest church in the world is there, and we both had a chance to attend that church. Yeah. So, why don't we share a little share experiences there. How do you pronounce it? Yodo? Yoido? How do we pronounce it? Uh, Yoido is how Yoido. I was taught. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, biggest church in the world, million people. They have a, a Sunday school building that's 12 stories yeah, high. That's massive. truly unbelievable. Uh, they give out free Bibles and... Um, uh, flu shots if you attend their members class which I was like that is a hilarious that's quite the combination that's yeah. quite the combination like, the physical get your bible and your flu shot yeah there you go yeah so yeah so I went to to Yoido and I went to Prayer Mountain as well they have a, a place of 24-7 intercession there um their prayer mounting though, it's it's hard to describe to people. It has a fifteen thousand seat auditorium on it. Like it's not just Massive. like it's not just like a little hill where people yeah, just yeah, hang out. Yeah. It's huge. But then I went to North Korea, so mm. I had to fly in via Beijing. And right. As soon yep. as we landed, they confiscated my passport mm-hmm. for safekeeping yep. <laughs> and assigned me a guide, which was actually a guard. He was sure. with me 24-7 the whole yep. time. And our hotel was on an island. And yeah, we were on the tour, the propaganda tour. And I wasn't there to smuggle in Bibles or anything. I was just there to bear witness and sure. pray. Yep. And uh, on New Year's Day, there's a tradition where you have to go bow before the dead emperor's bodies, which are stuffed in glass coffins. So... You have to do seven bows before their bodies, but I just stayed standing and whispered the Lord's Prayer instead. Now, did you take some heat for that, or I mean, yeah, was there some repercussions? I mean, it's like it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yeah. here. I mean, yeah, yeah, they they um, North Korea is a respect culture and and it's a safe face culture. Yeah. So the the tour guide in charge was furious, but I had said, "Listen, I told you ahead of time that I was happy to stay in the hotel, happy to stay on the bus. Right. I told you I wasn't going to bow politically, spiritually. Mm-hmm. I just nope, wasn't going to happen." Yep. And uh, so they let it go. But they respected that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it was a it was a heartbreaking experience. North Korea is just you know a million people starved to death in the last thirty years, and it's so broken. I think the big thing is <laughs> one of the things I learned there was. Their and all their hero worship is directed at one man, mm. Kim Jong Un, right? The right. Kim Dynasty. Yep. We've just diversified our hero worship, yeah, right? We got point. the Kardashians, we got our political yep. figures and our sports, sports figures. Sports figures, etc. They just yep. have it all in one. Mm-hmm. It's 
we're just we're just more we spread it around further <laughs> so i really came back and was like okay what do i idolize what do i what if i set up as god yeah and that's you know, i want to talk a little more about you know this wasn't just a vacation this wasn't a trip this was a purposeful pilgrimage mm-hmm. for you as a follower of christ mm-hmm. uh, seeing some of the darkness and the oppression in our world mm-hmm. and wanting to you know explore and expand your prayer life how was your personal prayer life you and your wife's i mean how was it transformed i mean it's continuing to be transformed mm-hmm. i know but specifically what did you take from this pilgrimage i mean you wrote a book but mm-hmm. you did more than put pen to paper you were a changed person in, in some respects so mm-hmm. just tell us a little bit about you know how god was moving in your life during this pilgrimage there was a bunch of things i think sure. one just very practical off the top was my family my spiritual family just got way bigger mm. so i had yeah. kind of been and you you talked about this Jason, yeah. how like we're kind of in this little piece of it, and yep. it, it's cool, and God's moving it, and it's great. But God's moving in other pieces of family that right. we normally wouldn't associate with. So it's sure. been really cool to connect with like Jesuits, you know, yep. like there's some amazing activists in other parts of the church that mm-hmm. it's been really cool to get to know. Uh, so expanding that faith family has allowed me to experience different uh, aspects of of God that. Other, so, for example, some people care a lot about creation. So, mm-hmm. creation care has, has grown a lot for me. Yep. Um, and then, of course, meditation was a big one. I got to go to Monte Cassino, where Benedict was from. Mm-hmm. So, the, I would say this is one of the biggest things that changed for me this year is he had a phrase, ora et labora, pray and work. Mm. And it's you can't do one without the other, right? Faith without works is dead. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And it, I kind of picture it like a, like a railroad track. You got prayer and you got work. And they never touch. But if you look in the distance on a railroad track, it looks like they converge. Mm-hmm. And somewhere between our work and God answering prayer, miracles happen. Right. We don't know where that is. Sure. But so I've tried to make, uh, I've tried to put my money where my mouth is and my action, my time where my where my prayers are as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And then just really trusting God with that. So that's been a big one. And then silence, which we've already talked a little bit, yep. listening. Um, and then I've, I'm starting to see prayer more like a marriage now, right? Like we're the body of Christ and um, he's our love. And and my my marriage, if I just said the same thing every day, it would just be a disaster. Yeah. If I did all the talking, it would be a disaster. Sure. Seeing it like a marriage as a real relationship, a constant communion with Christ has really, really changed. It's not a slot machine anymore. It's right. not just asking God for sure. things. It's trying to just practice his presence. So I would say that that's a really big one. Or a labora, and then just seeing it like a marriage, yeah. a real relationship. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was intentional that the church is called the bride of Christ yeah. in Scripture. I mean, yeah. there's so many marital and, and family uh, metaphors in Scripture for defining our relationship with Christ that I just look at, you know, being a husband, being a father, there's so much crossover between how I engage with my wife and my kids that relates to how I how I relate to mm-hmm. my heavenly father. And so that's great. I mean, that's and as far as the silence piece, you know, if any other extroverts listening, that, that's something I've had to learn is just yeah. to, to spend time in solitude, to spend time in silence. And, you know, I, I've got a little ADHD, I think. So the focusing is hard for me. So how do you, if someone wants to engage in silence, but their mind is just all over the map, that's difficult. What would you say to those folks? I mean, to encourage them, or yeah. I would point people to a little hilltop town in France called Taizé. <laughs> yeah. um, it's this uh, ecumenical kind of monastic movement. A hundred thousand young people in Europe go visit it every year. It's not really well known here, but it's huge sure. in Europe. And they uh, 
pray before breakfast, before lunch, after dinner. My, my wife and I got to visit it. And they start each time of prayer with 10 minutes of silence. Mm-hmm. It's based on a quote by their founder, Brother Roger. He mm-hmm. said, maintain inner silence in all things so as to dwell with Christ. And n- not to ask for anything, just to be in the presence of dad. Yeah. And what Brother Roger said is, if you get distracted in your times of silence, see every distraction as a clarion call back to Christ. Mm. So that, for me, is is kind of the mental heuristic that did it for me. Sure. Is Oh, I'm distracted. Don't beat yourself up. Just go straight back to Jesus. So right. th- I, that's been the big one for me. So for just sure. being so aware as when those distractions yeah. well up, those are almost signs pointing you yeah, back. Yeah, to, be, to, to okay. be distracted yeah. is very human. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's natural, yeah. Yeah. You have not only written this book, and we'll let people know how to get their hands on this book, but you've also produced a documentary called mm-hmm. Red Light, Green Light. Can you just tell us briefly about uh, your passion for um, educating the masses and, and working uh, f- to give people freedom who are in bondage to human trafficking? Mm-hmm. Talk about that issue for a couple minutes. Yeah, we've uh, we've made a couple of documentaries. Our, our charity is called Hope for the Sold, mm-hmm. and so our our tagline is fighting exploitation one word at a time. Yeah. So whether it's through writing, speaking, or film, so we do a lot of all three. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we made a we made a doc called Red Light Green Light, and we made another one called Over Eighteen. So looking at prostitution and now looking at pornography because mm-hmm. these things are so connected sure. to human trafficking. Yep. And uh, so with Red Light Green Light, we did a hundred city tour, and we got a law changed up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now doing a push into other countries. And then with Over 18, we're going to be working on another law to protect kids from online sexual yeah. content because it's getting so graphic and crazy. And how does how does prayer relate to those issues? How is prayer actually of value, not simply for sitting and communing with God, but for bringing the light and love of Christ into these dark situations? Mm-hmm. What is the practical benefit of prayer? Yeah, um, I would say, well, we have, we have about 45 prayer partners that are just, they're covering us when we're shooting undercover in the Red Light mm-hmm. Districts of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, we have a parliamentary screening coming up in a couple of weeks. Right. We're showing our film in Parliament, mm-hmm. Center Block, to a bunch of senators and MPs with widely varying opinions on pornography yep. and on culture. And um, there's only so much that we can do to change minds. Right. There's only so much work we can do. Sure. But God can change a heart, can change a mind in an instant. Mm-hmm. And... It could redirect policy. It could redirect legislation in our country. It could, it could influence so many people, um, and it might just make them a better father or better grandma. Yeah. We have no idea. And so, like we plant seeds, God grows them. We like how does a how does an acorn grow into a tree? I like it's hmm. it is a miracle. That, yeah. That uh, that I think the water of prayer is what we'll see the seeds that we plant grow into oaks of righteousness. Hopefully, sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, you do a lot of reading. Yeah. Um, when you set out on this journey, you said you read, what, 40 to 50 books a year. Yeah, at least. And uh, we're just going to let folks know in a minute or two where, where they can get their hands on your book or some of the other content that you have produced. But if you could recommend, aside from your own, we're going <laughs> to push yeah. that one in a moment, three books on prayer maybe that have personally profoundly affected you. Uh, I definitely would say that um, the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence is one of them for sure. Yeah. It's so short, so easy to read. It's mm-hmm. a series of, I think, four conversations and 13 letters. Mm-hmm. It's It'll take you less than an hour to read. Very, very worth reading. Uh, I would dig into 
um, the rule of St. Benedict. Uh, it's a monastic rule. So it's some stuff just totally ignore it, obviously. Mm, sure. Like, be celibate. Well, yeah. it's a little late for that. Yeah. I'm a happily married <laughs> dude, right? Um, but there's some good stuff in there. Um, the rule of Taizé by Brother Roger is about 60 pages. Mm. Profoundly powerful book. Yeah. Ecumenical, um, a wonderful, wonderful yeah. read. Um, you got two more fingers on that hand. Let's go for five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I would say, uh, oh man, there's so many. Charles Finney has a bunch of good stuff. Spurgeon has a bunch of good stuff. Um, one, one that I really like is, um, oh, what is his name? Um, I talked about him at church today. Mueller? Yeah, George Mueller's George Mueller, autobiography yeah, right. is a great read. Mm. Um, not only did he have a great beard and he put his yeah. money where his mouth is and just spent himself for the gospel, but he had over 5,000 prayers answered on the day he prayed them, and mm. he just journaled it all. So his autobiography is a wild time. Um, those would be big ones. If you want to get a little crazy, you can get into Teresa of Avila's stuff. Um, she yes, was. A, I highly she, recommend. Yeah. When I encountered Teresa, it was just like drinking from a fire hydrant yeah, it was nuts. phenomenal yeah. yeah so i would I, she she gets mystic uh, mm-hmm. you know yeah. she gets a little crazy i talk about that in my book but sure. but her her she has a lot of good stuff to yeah, say in I'm a time saying. when again women were just like shut up right yeah. like this is 500 years ago yep. and it's timeless today yeah. she's she's the doctor of prayer for the catholic church right like, that's her title yeah. right? so. so probably a good springboard to all this stuff is if people would engage your book i mean because you outline all of these individuals and places mm-hmm. you find in your book so how can people get their hands on your book uh if they go to livingprayerfully.com they can actually download the first two chapters for free and then there's links to the audiobook. I do about a dozen different accents and I sing. And then also the ebook and the physical copies as well. Okay, so that's livingprayerfully.com. Yep. Folks can pick up your book there. And uh, as well, your nonprofit, the website for Hope for the Soul is. Yeah, hopeforthesoul.com. And then if you just Google uh, Over 18 Documentary or Red Light, Green Light Documentary, they're first thing. Well, maybe if you wouldn't mind, since we're talking about prayer, if you wouldn't mind just offering a brief prayer mm-hmm. maybe for all of our listeners today and then we'll uh, we'll wind things down so thank you so much Jared for just taking the time to be here thank you for uh, responding faithfully to what God's put on your heart mm-hmm. and uh, know that I will be praying for you and your wife uh, I appreciate so it so if you could just pray for us that'd be great yeah God for every uh, listener I pray that um, that you would be their shalom uh, we don't know what circumstances are going on in their life right now but um, be a supernatural peace that transcends our understanding we ask that they would enter into the fullness of their calling, that everything that you've created them to do and everything you've created them to be, that that would happen. Um, God, we are nothing without you, uh, but you are everything, and that is enough. We pray that we would, uh, or at Lapora, work and pray, and that you would do the miracle at that place that we don't know, and that you would change us and change our families and change our world. Amen. 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 Thanks so much to uh, Jared Brock for being with me today. Uh, Jared is the author of A Year of Living Prayerfully, and uh, he's produced uh, two powerful documentaries, Red Light, Green Light, and uh, Over 18. Thanks again, Jared, for being here. And all the best. Me. All right. All right. That was Jason Tripp and Jared Brock talking about all the things this guy's got going on. And uh, I love being reminded about prayer, L. Uh, it's really important. It's something I actually see uh, go missing in a lot of church plants and a lot of startup projects. And I've even seen it go missing in some of the things we, you and I do. It's true. 
Um, we repent. We need to, because uh, so much can be birthed out of prayer. When you take that stuff seriously, when you walk through it, uh, I've just felt the power of it uh, in it, when we have consciously forced ourselves back into that discipline. Um, I don't know why it goes disappearing for me, uh, but I can tell you this, that um, this is a problem for a lot of pastors and a lot of spiritual leaders. Um, if you ask about their prayer lives, it's not rich. And I think Jared has given us some some ideas and some tools to go deeper with our prayer. Mm-hmm. So uh, friends, check out what Jared is doing. If, if, if they want to follow uh, what Jared's uh, doing out there on the internet, uh, how can they get go deeper with this story, Al? Yeah, so he's got a, a number of resources. You can check out his website, jaredbrock.com. Um, their nonprofit that they work with, uh, Hope for the Sold, or that they created. And then uh, their documentaries that they have, Red Light, Green Light, and um, Over 18. They're really doing some some great stuff, and it's uh, it was encouraging to hear it. So I hope you enjoyed it, listening to it, friends. And friends, if you want to stay connected to the New Leaf Conversation, you can do so on our website, newleafnetwork.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, I don't think we have an Instagram account yet, do we? We might, but let's not tell anybody about it. Okay. Because I've done a bad job we, keeping okay. it updated. All right. So we don't don't remember that we have an Instagram account. Or just don't judge us. <laughs> or just... <laughs> Well, it'll be boring anyway. Well, you go there, there's nothing to look at. We'll get better. We'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll try. try, people. We'll, we'll try better. Yep. But uh, the other stuff we're pretty serious about, the website, the blog, and uh, the Facebook, uh, those are places you can stay uh, connected to this conversation. And please pray for us. We need your prayers. We need your help. Uh, and we need you to lean in and join us in this amazing thing that God is doing in Canada, which is inspiring planters and starters, instigators, and all kinds of people to do something new in uh, in the Canadian context. So thanks for listening, and thanks for putting us in your ear holes. Friends, we'll hear you. No, you'll hear from us. Yes. Very soon. Very soon. Bye, friends. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and stars all across Canada.